Parshas Baalotcha. On the day that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the Am Yisrael and commanded them to bring the first Korban Pesach in the Midbar, there was a small group of people who were left out of this mitzvah. And there were men who had come contaminated by a human corpse. And they couldn't bring the Korban Pesach on that day along with the rest of the Am Yisrael. So what did these people do? They sighed and said, Okay, we'll do it next year. No, that's not what they did. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they complained. Why should we be left out from bringing the Korban Pesach just like the rest of the people? Now, that's a strange question to ask Moshe Rabbeinu. Hashem had established the rules of bringing the Korban Pesach and included, and included in the myriad of laws was that a Tame can't take part in this mitzvah. They had done nothing wrong and were blameless. They should have been satisfied. The Torah absolves you from all blame in unavoidable circumstances. Baba Kama. The same one who said they should be, they should do the mitzvah of Korban Pesach, said that this year, they wouldn't have to do it. So why were they so worried that they couldn't participate? But first, another question. Why didn't Hashem teach the law of Pesach Sheni to Moshe Rabbeinu immediately when he taught all the laws of Pesach? Why is this mitzvah given in response to an incident? And the answer is that this whole episode was contrived by Hashem to teach us the great lesson of Lama Nigara of why should we miss out. Hashem intentionally omitted any mention of the Pesach Sheini in order to teach us how we should approach the missed opportunity to do a mitzvah, even when it's not our fault. Because it's not sufficient to be absolved. The loss of serving Hashem should in itself cause an intense regret in the minds of Oivde Hashem. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave Pesach Sheini as compensation for those who desire to do more than they were capable of. If you're regretting it so much, says Hashem, then I'm going to give you another chance. You'll be able, you'll be able to fulfill the Korban Pesach 30 days later. And the eternal lesson of this episode is that even when you're blameless, when nothing could be held against you at all, nevertheless, to miss out on a mitzvah is a sadness. It's something that deserves much regret. Lama nigara. Why should we be left out? Now to better understand the lesson of Lama nigara, of the achievement that one can attain by means of regret, we'll first quote from the Chayvus Lavavas, who teaches us an important lesson, a very great lesson that opens up new doors and makes a new kind of life for us if we'll learn properly what he's saying. The Chayvus Lavavus in Chesh Nefesh says as follows, Whatever you're not able to reach in actual practice, you won't be able to attain everything in this world. Not everything you want are you going to accomplish. Some things are too exalted for you, too high for you to reach. You can't finish all of Shas right now. You can't build yeshivas and hospitals for firm Jews. You can't even spend your evenings visiting the, visiting the sick. Even more difficult, you'd like the base Hamigdash. You'd like to bring a korban in the base Hamigdash. 
Wouldn't you like to bring a Korban Shleimim or a Korban Pesach? But you can't. There's no way for you to do that. You can't attain everything in this world, no matter how good your heart is. But the Chayvah Slavava says that you can. Everything is possible. Now pay attention to his words. Whatever you're not able to reach in actual deeds, he should attain it by knowing about it and by desiring it. You hear that? Most people don't even know what there is to desire. So the first thing is to learn what there is to long for. You learn about those deeds as much as possible, to think about them and understand them. And once you do that, you can desire it. And he's not saying that you should just desire it for nothing. He's saying that you will reach it. You will actually attain it by desiring it. As long as you regret missing the opportunity to do a mitzvah, if you're actually disappointed that you can't attain it, it's the same merit as if you did it. So therefore, let's say, you learn Mesech Pesachim in the yeshiva. Most yeshivas skip Perak Tamid Nishkat about Hilchus Korban Pesach. But let's say you're older, or you learned up till Talmud Nishchat with the yeshiva, and now on your own, you're going to learn the parakim of the Korban Pesach. And as you're reviewing the Gemara, you're saying over the Rashi and the Toysvus, and you start thinking, ah, if I could practice this for real, if I could bring the Korban Pesach, how happy I would be. Now there's no Mikdash today, and we're all Tamei Meis, you know, you're not going to bring any korban right now. Not on Pesach Rishon and not on Pesach Sheni either. But you're learning all about it. And you're taking it a step further. You begin to long for the great institution of korbanos. The fact that the korbanos take up such a large part of the Torah is a demonstration of how greatly HaKadosh Baruch Hu values this form of service. And yet today, we don't have it. It's lost to us. But it doesn't have to be lost. We can still use the opportunity of Korbanus to gain some form of greatness. And how is that, you ask? We have to long for the Korbanus. Don't say, Baruch Shepatrani, and forget about it. Instead, you say, Lama Nigora, and you yearn for it. I remember when I was in Slobodka Yeshiva, there was an old Mashkiach, Rab Hirsch Berzatzal, who used to daven at the Amr on Yom Tov. And when he came to the words in Musaf, Ein Anachnu Yecholim, we can't go up to the Mikdash and bring Korbanos today, he said it like this, Oi, Oi, Ein Anachnu Yecholim. He cratched when he said these words. We can't do it anymore. Ay, ay, ay. And I learned the lesson then. That you have to krechs. Ein anachnu yecholim. We're not able to. It's very important to krechs. You, to be sorry that you can't do something good. Because that means you're always feeling regret. You wish you could do it. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu teaches us the great principle of Lamanigara. By knowing about it and yearning for it. It's going to be considered as if you did it. You hear that?
That's the great and eternal lesson of Pesach Sheini. That even when a person is absolved from an obligation to perform a mitzvah, he should desire the opportunity to be obligated. And the yearning itself is an achievement. In Masech Tekesubis, the Gemara tells a little story as follows. When Rabbeinu HaKadosh, Rebbe, was lying on his deathbed, so everyone who could came and stood in the courtyard of his home to daven for him. Those who, could, those who could get in went in, but not everybody could get inside. So there were throngs of people standing outside. The street was jammed with people. Of course, they were all weeping and praying. Thousands and thousands of people all day long were asking HaKadosh Baruch Save our Nasi, save Rabbeinu HaKadosh. But finally, Rebbe passed away. And when the bad news made its way to the crowd outside, a roar of anguish arose from the whole cloud. Everybody was crying because Rebbe had left this world. And at that time, a baskel, a prophetic voice, came out from the heavens and said, Everybody that was present, at the Ashkavta de Rebbe, at the passing of Rebbe, is Mizuman Lchaye Ha'olam Haba. That means when, that when the time comes, when they die, they're guaranteed to be welcomed into Oilam Haba. That's how great was the, was the, was the Zuchus of trying to save Rebbe's life. They were demonstrating with all their heart that they wanted Rebbe to continue to lead them. And just for their good intentions, because they attempted to save Rebbe's life, they would get Oilam Haba. There was a man, however, a laundryman who wasn't there. In those days, the laundryman was a very poor, plain man, many times an Amaaretz. And this man, he used to come every day to the Mesifta to listen to Rebbe. He couldn't sit in the base medrash, but he stood in the back near the door, and he listened in to the Toyota discussions as much as he could. But this one day he couldn't come. Something came up, and he wasn't present when Rebbe passed away. Now when this laundry man heard about the baskol, the prophetic words that guaranteed that all present were mizuman l'chaye oilam he became a sugar with regret. He became crazy with grief that he had missed the opportunity to take part in that unique Kiddush Hashem, that great outpouring of tefillah to Hashem on behalf of a tzaddik. And in his grief, he ran up to the roof and he jumped off. Maybe he fell off. I can't tell you exactly what happened, but he died. And the Gemara says that as soon as that happened, a baskol came forth and said, this laundryman, also will, will be welcomed into Oilam Haba. Now this laundry man certainly didn't contribute anything to that tremendous day of tefillah. He wasn't even there. So why should he get the same reward as those who were there? Just because he regretted not being there doesn't mean anything. And the answer is yes. Because the tzad that he wasn't able to come, the sincere regret at having missed out on the opportunity to participate in such an event is as if he had been there. He wanted to be there. He was in pain. Why did I miss out on that? I wanted to be there too. He regretted. He had harata and sar, And just for that, he too was mizuman l'chaye oilam haba. That's a tremendous lesson you're hearing right now. 
Regret is not a small thing. A lot of people say, well, I wasn't present. I couldn't help myself. And finished. No, don't say that. You're losing an opportunity. You have to have sad that you weren't able to be there. Why couldn't I have been present at such a good thing? The distress, I wish I could have been a part of that, is equal to being present. And when somebody has sad that he wasn't able to do a good thing, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives him reward just as if he had done it. And that's what the Gemara in Brachas teaches us. If a person intended to do a mitzvah, and for some reason that was beyond his control, he couldn't do it, the Torah credits him as if he fulfilled it. Let's say this man wanted to be mevaker choyle, so he bought a basket of fruit to the hospital for a choyle. He climbs the six flights of stairs to the patient's room, and then something happened that prevented him from doing the mitzvah. When he came there, they told him that the patient had recovered and had gone home already. So did he come for nothing? Did he walk up all those flights of stairs in vain? So Chazal tell us that it's considered by the Torah as if he had done the mitzvah. Now there's no question that there's a certain degree of shlemus, of perfection that you achieve when you actually go and stand by the bed of the choyle. When you hand the food to him and speak to him and encourage him, you're achieving something very important by your action. No question about it. But the mitzvah is accomplished either way. There's no question that the mitzvah is accomplished even if the choyle is not there anymore. Because Hashem considers it as if you had done it. Because you wanted to do it. And you regret not being able to fulfill the mitzvah. I told you this story once. Rabbi Sorosh Salanter was once talking to an old man on the street. He was haranguing and exhorting this old man for a long time. About what? He was speaking to this man about the importance of supporting a koila. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, you know, was one of the, was the one who founded the whole business of koilalim. He started the koilal idea. Not like today when a koilal man is 23, 24 years old. Rabbi Yisrael wanted the old Talmud Chachamim, 40, 50 years old, should be supported and that each one should specialize in a, in a specific branch of Torah so that we should have gedolim who are experts. This one in Kedoshim, in Kedoshim, this one in Nezikin, and so on. So Rabbi Israel was speaking with this old man for a long time and urging him how important it is to make a koila. After the conversation, when the old man went away, so Rabbi Israel's Talmidim approached their Rebbe. Rebbe, who's that old man? Is he a millionaire? So Rabbi Israel said, no, he's a very poor old man. A poor man, they said. What are you wasting your time talking to him about a koilel for? So Rabbi Yisrael said, now, listens to, now listen to the words of a gaon. Und er darf nicht wählen a koilel. Does he also need to want a koilel? Doesn't he also need to want a koilel? You hear that? That's a gadol speaking. It's a gaonus. You're not able to support a koila. You should want a koila. The poor man should also want a koila. He can't afford it. Let him at least want it. So, so Rabbi Yisrael was giving this old poor man a gift. 
that he should want to build a koilel, that he should go to the next world desiring a koilel. Lama nigara, this old man is thinking, why should I be left out from spreading toida in this world? So therefore, just because you can't support the yeshivas, just because you can't build big yeshivas, you're potter? No, you have to want it. If I was able, if I could afford it, if I had the money, I'd build yeshivas all over. In Los Angeles, I'd build them in Sifta. In Staten Island, I would build a few yeshivas. In Bensonhurst also, I would build one. And Flatbush could stand another hundred yeshivas too. There are plenty of Jews around who should be going to yeshivas. And when a person really thinks about it, when he really desires it, and in his head he experiences those two tremendous words in our parsha. Lama nigara. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if that's the case, so it's hareni ki'ilu hitkabalti. It's as if I received it from you. Now not everyone has a Rabbi Yisrael to stop him on the street and help him desire to build a koilu. So you'll have to start talking to yourself if you want to accomplish great things in your mind. Suppose you would like to fulfill the mitzvah of founding a great yeshiva maybe in New York or Yerushalayim. You want to bring many people there and support them while they're learning. Baruch Hashem, we have big places. But you want to build a still bigger place. You'd like to bring people from England, from America, from Argentina, from wherever people are willing to come and settle them in a new Torah community in Eretz Yisrael or maybe in New York. And to, support, and to support them and their families. You have a dream, a desire to make a great Torah center, even bigger than Lakewood, let's say. But what are you? Who are you? You're nobody. You have no money at all. You're just dreaming. It seems so unreal that it even seems silly. But now we're learning that it's very far from silly. If a person can generate in his heart a sincere desire to do great things and the regret that he can't do them, that itself is a tremendous achievement. And so the first thing is that you should begin by saying it with your mouth. Say it. I wish I could establish another Lakewood. I desire to build a city that runs only according to the Ratzon Hashem. Now just saying it doesn't mean that it's in your heart already. And if you don't spend time thinking about these ideas, then you can't desire these things. You'll just think like the people in the street. You'll have a Gashmi's dick ahead. You can be a Frumju, but your head might be no different than the head of the people outside. So tonight on the way home, start thinking about it. Ah, if I had the money to open up a koilel, I'd build a tremendous koilel community. And what a makam toira I would build. Say, it's my hope, my sincere hope. And the more you think these thoughts, the more you fulfill your head, the more you fill your head with Torah ideals. So you begin to feel a fiery enthusiasm for this ideal of building a new Lakewood. And now you can really say, Lama nigara? Why should I miss out on the opportunity to do it? Just because I don't have the money? Oh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Here's a Jew who's hoping to do great things for me. He can't do a thing, but at least he's hoping. And if that's the case, then this man will be rewarded as if he built a great Torah center in the world. Yes, to me, it's like he did it already. 
Now it has to be sincere. So sincere that when you get home and you find the whole house is lit up, everyone's singing and your wife comes to the door and she's crying with happiness. You know what happened? A telegram came from Albany. We won the million dollar lottery. And it hits you like a thunderbolt over the head because you just said that you're going to build big yeshivas with the money. So you say, I'll think about the yeshiva a little later. Right now I have more important things to do. And that shows that it's not so easy to make such a decision. It's easier before you have the money. It has to be such a sincere desire that when you get home and your wife tells you the news, you say, is that so? We won the lottery? Forget about ordering anything from the, from the furrier or the jeweler. Forget about that. Because this money is already spent. What do you mean already spent, she says. Are you out of your head? You didn't spend anything. It's all right here. And so you tell her, no, it's all spent already. I spent it on the way home. What do you mean you spent it on the way home? And so you give her the good news. On the way home, I was thinking what I heard in the, in the Achiezer from Rabbi Miller. And I decided that I want to build a koila. And that's what the money is going to be used for. Now you try to push that through at home. It won't be easy. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks into your heart and he sees. If this man would suddenly become wealthy, you're wealthy now. Will you build a yeshiva with your money? And if it's true that he would absolutely do what he claims he wants to do, then he gets credit right now as if he did it. What we're learning now is how important it is to create attitudes, Torah perspectives in the mind. Because how you think and what you want is magnified a thousand times over by a Kaddish Baruch Hu, who is looking into your mind and he is judging you not only according to what you do, but according to your thoughts and your desires. Everything that you could have done had you had the capabilities to accomplish, your desires become a reality. Now I'll explain that. In Masech the Gittin it says, a person who instills excessive fear in his own, in his home, that means his wife and his family are afraid of him. It's as if he killed many ten thousands of Jews. Just because he's a tyrant in his house, it's like he killed tens of thousands of Jews. And to explain what that means, the Gemara brings a story that happened once in the time of the Shoftim. There was one man who was very angry at his wife. He was a tyrant and his wife was afraid of his outbursts. And because she was afraid, she ran out of the house. She was afraid to come home. So she was walking the streets at night. What happened? There was some bums who found her and they attacked her. They molested her and left her to die in the street. And when her husband went looking for her in the morning, she was found dead. Now, what did he do? He was so angry about what happened. He was an angry man. So he cut her up into ten pieces and sent one piece to each of the Shvatim. Each Shevet had its own Beisdin. And to each one he sent a part of her body. A package arrived in the Sanhedrin. And when they opened it, what's this? A part of a body cut up. What happened? And now the whole nation became embroiled in a terrible war. All the Shvatim got up in arms to take revenge on the people of that town in Shevet Binyamin, where the atrocity was committed.
and a civil war between the Shavatim was waged, and 75,000 Jews were killed in that war. Now what do we see here? Here's a man, an angry fellow, who drove, who drove his wife out of the house. And because of his anger, one thing led to another, and it cascaded into battles in which tens of thousands of Jews were killed. And on that story, Chazal say that if a person is a tyrant in his house, it's like he killed many tens of thousands. Now to our ears, that sounds very queer, very exaggerated. How does that follow logically? He never learned to be. He never learned how to behave. He never understood what a chet is to get. It is to get angry. So that means he killed thousands of Jews. It just so happened. It just so happened that way one time. What does that have to do with me being overly angry in my home? The answer is that Chazal wants you to know that it has everything to do with you. Because we're learning a tremendous lesson here. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges you based on what you could be, on what you could do if you had the opportunity. If a person has in himself a ka'as, an anger, then Hashem judges him as if he had been a king with tremendous power, because that's exactly what would have happened. If he had been a king, he would have killed thousands and thousands of people. If a man has a wickedness in himself, bad this, even though it's only against his wife, still HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges him as if he were a king who utilized all of his rishis against thousands and thousands of subjects whom he put to death. So this man didn't do anything. He didn't want to kill anybody. And still because he had that attitude of being excited and angry, he's being judged by what could come out of it, even though in reality it's beyond his capabilities. Now, we can learn the opposite too. A person will be judged for all of his good deeds, good ideals, all of the positive attitudes of his mind even though he can't do anything about it. Here is a philanthropist, a wealthy Jew, who built a hospital. His name is everywhere in the hospital. Now, why he built it, I don't know exactly the motives, but he did it. He built something tremendous for the Jewish community. Rooms for the patients, laboratories, operating rooms, everything. It's a tremendous zechus. And the years go by, thousands and thousands of people go through his hospital. Even one choyla, if he's Isaac and Bikr choylim, he gets a tremendous reward. And here, it's generations who go through his hospital. How great of an accomplishment that is. It's impossible to measure. Now here, you'd like to do the same thing. You also want to build a hospital, maybe a special hospital, where you'll pay people to study various illnesses and to find cures for them. A special laboratory to cure cancer. You want to save Jewish children, adults. The whole Am Yisrael you want to help. You'll fly in patients from Eretz Yisrael in England and from everywhere to cure them. That's what you want to do. Only that you don't have the opportunity. You don't know anything about building hospitals. And even if you did... You don't have the money to do it. Now pay attention. You'll laugh at me, but listen to me anyhow. You can build a hospital. Yes. You have to think of the mitzvah, however. You'll have to appreciate how big it is of a mitzvah to heal your fellow Jew. Of course, 
if you can heal a fellow Jew around the corner and bring him some medicines, maybe he's too poor to buy medicines. That's one opportunity that shows, that shows you really mean it. But let's say you do whatever you can. You try to help your fellow Jews. You're mevaker choylim. You come to visit them. You try to do things to help them get well. But you're limited. You're a poor man and medicines are very expensive today. So you say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, If you would give me the opportunity, I'd build hospitals for the poor from hospitals. I'd heal generations and generations of people. I'd really do it, Hashem. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu listens to you and he sees inside your heart as well. And he says, Because you're a man who developed within himself the attitude of wanting to heal the Am Yisrael, so even though the most you can do is bring some medicine to your neighbor, in my eyes, it's as if you've healed tens of thousands of Jews. Don't think it's a small thing you're hearing now. In your own mind, between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the opportunities are unlimited. Of course, a person can deceive himself, but once a man embarks on this course and he tries to think what he would do if he had the opportunity. Little by little, it settles into his mind and it becomes genuine feelings of desire to accomplish great things and sincere regret for not being able to actually carry out the plans. Now, all this seems unreal to us. It's very far away from us. And therefore, I must give many different examples again and again. It's such an important subject. Because we're learning now that we can utilize our lives in ways that we never imagined. A man should always do whatever he can. Try to fulfill all that he can. But whatever he cannot do, what's beyond his ability, he should desire it. Let's say you're a working man, or even a working boy. You'd like to be a big Talmud Chacham though. Now the truth is, you still could be. If you keep on going to Shurim, utilize every Shabbos, there's plenty of time to learn if you really look for it. I recall once I was at a Malava Malka in the old building, and I said over from the Rambam, Hilchas Talmud Torah, anybody who wants to earn the crown of Torah, he shouldn't waste even one of his nights. He has to work by day. What could he do? but he shouldn't waste even one of his nights. That's what the Rambam says. And the man who was sitting there heard that. And I saw it went into his ears and it changed his way of life. He became great subsequently. He was a working man and he became great in Toyota. And once his wife had to attend the wedding in Riverside Plaza uptown. But that night was a shiur. So he took his wife by car to Riverside Plaza and left her there and came back to attend the shiur. Then he went all the way back to the hall to bring her home. That's dedication. But let's say you don't have that best head. You think you'll never be like the Ketsoy Sachoyshen, like the Nesivas, or the Minchas Chinuch. You'd like to be like them, however. So it depends. How much do you really want it? Not that he says he wants. He has real cheshek. A sincere desire. I would love to be a gadol batayda. And that wanting, you should know, is already a big success. Don't think it's a small thing. So first of all, in many cases, HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps you become something. But even if the circumstances won't allow that, 
just by being tremendously involved in the desire, you want to be a Gadol Batayda. Not because you want to become famous, not because you want covered, but because you love Toyda. You're thinking, if I could be a Gadol Batayda, if I knew, let's say, all the Mesechtas, if I could run up and down to Shas without having to stop and think in the Peshat, because I know it so well already. Wah! What? That would be a pleasure. Imagine you can daven through Shas, like saying to Hillel, Oh, is that a Tainuk? If I knew all of the Toysfus in Shas, how happy I would be. There are so many Sephardim, good Sephardim, important Chiburim, that you would love to learn, to take the ideas out from the Sephardim and put them into your head. But you gave up on it already. Even in the time that you do spend learning, you don't have the extra minute to look at the Ibn Ezra on Chumash. It takes a lot of time to go through a sugya with Rashi and Toysvis. And therefore you don't have the time to go through the Ibn Ezra or the whole Ktsois. Ah, and to know it all. You're consigned to the idea that it's beyond your reach. You gave up on it already. So you know what a man like that has to do? He has to pick up the kitsais and kiss it all the time. Pick up the kitsais and say, How I wish I could sit down with this sefer all day today and spend hours plumbing the depths of the Torah. I hope, I wish, I desire to learn everything. And the Kaddish Baruch is looking down at you and he says, There's a man who loves me. A man who knows what Lama Nigara means. And the more you desire it sincerely, the more you can manufacture a genuine desire. That's already a very big shlemus. I'm not saying it's easy, but that's what a Ratsan can actually accomplish. To gain a Ratsan for good things means that you're a person who has accomplished a tremendous amount already. Suppose you could be, let's say, in old time Prague, when the Maharal was there, Prague was an ear vein be soil. Everybody was a shoyman mitzvah in Prague. Everybody had big beards and payas. Everybody. Women, women were all tzitkanius. Everybody kept everything. If we could visit such a Prague, even for just one day, we would come back entirely different people. No question about it. It would have a tremendous effect on us. Children in that generation played in the streets and they babbled divrei Torah while they played. There's a certain historian, Gretz, Arosha. He writes the children of that generation when they played in the streets. They babbled in divrei Torah. In those days, the Am Yisrael was the Am I once passed by on the street here, a little girl sitting on the steps. And the little girl was saying to her friend, Abbas Yisrael doesn't do that. A little girl said that. Abbas Yisrael shouldn't do that. It was a beautiful thing to hear from a little girl in Flatbush. But in Prague, it wasn't out of the ordinary. Everybody was saturated with Torah. Every child knew what it meant to be a Bas Yisrael and a Ben Yisrael. So here's a mother and she's walking. Let's say on Broadway in Williamsburg or on King's Highway and she's thinking, look where I am, look where I am now, a land of Tuma among atheists. Most of the Jews today are not even thinking about our Kaddish Baruch Hu. Most of the people in the streets are up. Most of the people in the streets 
are atheists, Russians and Israelis and so many others. Ruined people. It's a makam tuma, she's thinking. And my mind is full of foolishness from the outside world. If only I lived in Prague 400 years ago. Now she, she can't accomplish turning back the clock right now. But what can she do? First she should know about Yasigehu Bidia. Know about your past. Thinking about the greatness we once had. Know about it and be convinced about the greatness of the Am Yisrael. There are all kinds of lies from the false historians who try to confuse people. Know the truth. What the Am Yisrael was. Bimei Kedem. Bimei Kedem. And get an understanding of what we once were. And then desire it. That's the second thing. I wish I lived with the tzaddikim of yesteryear. That's a tremendous achievement. Picture yourself. You could press a button and be transported back in time a hundred years ago. So some people will think, what? To go back to Europe? There were no automobiles, no refrigerators. I don't want that. And so you're going to have to work on knowing what's important in life in order to desire the right things. And the more you desire, the more you can say, Lamanigara, with sincerity, the greater you become. And that's why it's so important, says the Chayvus Lavavus, to ask for the Binyan Beis Hamigdash. Bring back the service, Lidvir Besecha. We have to say that with our hearts, with regret. Of course, we don't really want it. It's just talk. We're not really interested. But if you really think about it, if you put time into it, and you put your heart into it, if you, would, if you attain it by means of your mind, and you learn how to desire it, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if that's the case, I'll consider it as if you already did it. As if you succeeded in building the base HaMikdash. And what that means is that we have the opportunity to rebuild Yerushalayim and to bring it all back. But it has to be genuine. And therefore it says, Rejoice with Yerushalayim, all those who love Yerushalayim. You have to fall in love with Yerushalayim by thinking what Yerushalayim once was. You think back and see what Yerushalayim possessed long ago and you begin to feel, Oh, what a happiness it was then. How glorious was the life in Yerushalayim in the time of the base of Migdash. You have to think what Yerushalayim used to be in order to love it. You have to love the Shlemus of old Yerushalayim. You have to love the Kedusha and the Tzaddikim of old Yerushalayim. You have to love Limud HaToyra. Yerushalayim was a place of Limud HaToyra on a very great scale. Josephus, he was a politician and a writer. He describes legions of Jews in Yerushalayim who came together, tremendous crowds learning Torah together. Thousands of people stood in the streets and listened to the shiur. They didn't sit down up until Rabbi Gamliel Hazakin's time. They wouldn't even sit down while learning Torah. That's in Megillah. That's how much esteem there was for Hashem's word. The streets were soaked with Kedusha. Merely coming to look at the base of Migdash left an effect on that person that lasted all his life. The Pasuk in Devarim says that everyone comes to Yerushalayim to eat Maser Sheini in order so that you should learn to fear Hashem all your life.
A visit to ancient Yerushalayim was a lesson in Yiras Hashem. When you saw Kohanim Bavoidosam, you heard the Shira of the Levim. You became so inspired. A visit to the Beis Hamikdash made you a new person. Not only in the Beis Hamikdash, even just walking in the streets in the streets of ancient Yerushalayim was an experience of awareness of Hashem. You saw hundreds of Nizirim dressed in white begadim walking the streets, Kedoshim, who devoted part of their lives to Hashem. Even in Bayez Sheni, we know the streets were full of Nizirim, hundreds of young men and women. They didn't mix, of course, who were Nizirim, Kodesh Hashem, And the plain people were all Kedoshim too. You have no idea how intense was the devotion of Hashem in Yerushalayim to Hashem in Yerushalayim. You can visit good places today too, maybe in Me'asharim, but it's not what it used to be. No, it's nothing like it once was. What I'm telling you is not a, is not a guzma. Actually, it's not enough. I never saw it, and therefore, I'm very far away from appreciating it. But if we knew what old Yerushalayim was, then we'd see what a tremendous loss the world had suffered. When you look back and think, what a great loss it is that I'm not able to visit ancient Yerushalayim. That sad is very important because that's our opportunity today. If you don't have the money or the power or the permission of the halacha, so you can do it, so all you can do is wait for Mashiach to come. You can't do more than that. It's not your fault. But you can still say, Lama nigara? Why should I miss out on ancient Yerushalayim? You have no idea what we're missing nowadays. Such inspiration, such greatness of spirit, such kirvas Hashem and midas toivas, we're missing out, we're missing out on. And we can't do any more than regret the missed opportunity. But what we're learning now is that the regretting is very important. It's important, but it's not easy. Let's say you're sitting at your table eating a good meal. You have delicacies and compote and you're enjoying life in New York City. Hadar cookies and Libra's chocolates and all kinds of good things you're eating now. Everything perfectly kosher. Life in New York is good and therefore you have to know that it's not easy to be sorry. You can say it, but you have to train yourself to really mean it too. And once you have that desire, a genuine desire, I would like to rebuild Yerushalayim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees into your heart that if you had the money, the power, and the rishus, and the rishus of the halacha, you would actually do it. And you receive credit as if you built Yerushalayim. And don't say it's just an exaggeration. No, it's the open truth. Here's a man that wants to embark on this course. He wants to listen to my advice. So when he finishes Shemayin Esrei, he says, He's weeping. Please, Hashem, bring back the base Hamigdash. And there we will serve you like in the days of old. And he's saying it with a full heart. Those last words are overlooked by people. And yet they are a very big opportunity. An opportunity for achievement that should not be missed. Ah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If we could do that again. But what do we do instead? We're in a hurry to eat breakfast. So we step back 
and it's all over. No, it's not all over. Those three lines are so important that they shouldn't be overlooked. Take your time. Say these words slowly with your full heart. Of course, it's not sincere. It's only talk. But train yourself to that idea. Give me a base amigdash once more. Now listen to me. I'm giving you homework. And don't say it's silly. If you want to be silly, then don't do it. Now the first 50 times, you don't mean it. You don't mean it at all. But one thing you do mean, you want to mean it. I hope that someday I'll mean it. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if you're taking the first step, then I'm going to help you. Not only by Shmoyna Esrei. Let's say you're walking on Rutledge Avenue in Williamsburg, or you're walking on 13th Avenue. As you walk all around you, Apikorsim, atheists, nobodies, secular Jews, you're one Jew walking alone in the street, and you say, Please rebuild the base Hamigdash. In English, in Yiddish, it makes no difference. Just say it. You know what an accomplishment that is? Just to say that. Hashem, please rebuild the base Hamigdash. Oh, that's what I say every day, you'll tell me. But you say it like a person who is fast asleep. He doesn't know what he's saying. Say it with regret, with desire. And that's one of the means of accomplishing, accomplishing a tremendous achievement. Now here's a man walking in the street in Manhattan looking up at the tall skyscrapers. And he's thinking, Manhattan is nothing at all. How I wish I could be walking the streets of Yerushalayim right now. He's thinking that he's so sorry that he missed out on the shlemas, the perfection that was available in those days. How much easier it was to though to in, how much easier it was to though in those days to come closer to Akalish Baruch. There was no New York Times in those days. There was no TV, no radio. Even if you don't have it in your house, but the fact that it's in the air is a ruination. The air is tame with all these things. It's in the atmosphere. You can't help yourself. The streets are soaking in shtus, atheism, taiva, and immorality. And therefore, even the from Jews, you have to know, are not immune from that. Even though we don't read their books and newspapers. But the Aveda of the land seeps into your head. The Aveda of the land seeps into your head. And so this man in Manhattan is thinking, I would love to be in, in Yerushalayim in the days of old. Ah, if I could be there once more, I could give up my refrigerator, my telephone. I would give up my refrigerator, my telephone. I would give up my gas range, all the conveniences of modern life. I'd give it up to live in Yerushalayim in the old days. And the more a person puts his mind on it, the more he's going to be re- rewarded right now. And therefore, if you're a poor man, if you have no money, you're walking in the street and you're saying, So HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks at you. I'm surprised. He's a real mensch. He's hoping for the base Amigdash. And he gets reward. As if the Mikdash was built in his days. You think that's a small thing? No. It's a very great thing you heard just now. Oh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you really want it? So you'll get a certain amount of reward for that. 
If a person yearns for the base of Migdash with his full heart, so that sincere regret, that sincere Lama Nigara, means that he already has the base of Migdash. Now this subject that we touched on tonight is, is tremendous because it means that opportunities in life are endless. But the very first thing is, the first step is to attain that feeling that those who missed the Pesach Rishon expressed, Lama Nigara, why should we be held back from the achievement of serving you, Hashem? You have to yearn for Korbanos. Don't say we have a big enough Shulchan Aruch as it is. We have to worry about Korbanos also? Yes, we have to be so sorry that we cannot bring Korbanos. We would like to bring the Korban Pesach and we'd like to be bring, we'd like to to bring Bikurim and Chala to the Koilala, to the Kohen as well. There are so many mitzvahs, not only ones that are dependent on, the li- on living in Eretz Yisrael during the time of the Beis HaMikdash, but even others that are inaccessible to us. Shulchan, Shulchan Akein. When you don't have a mother bird available, what could you do? You didn't happen upon a nest. Shulach Akein. When you don't have a mother bird available, what could you do? You didn't happen upon a nest. Or Peter Chamur, if your donkey gives birth to a firstborn, you have a mitzvah of redeeming the baby donkey. But you don't have a donkey. Your wife won't let you bring a donkey into your backyard. You're an oinus. You desire your children should be tzaddikim. You desire your grandchildren and great-grandchildren should be all tzaddikim. You wish you could give them all money so they could stay in Koilel, so that they could be home, buy homes in the firmest neighborhoods. You desire it. Many times you won't live to see the children of your great-grandchildren, but you desire to do everything possible so that they should all be tzaddikim. When you take advantage of, your, of regret, when you take advantage of regret, of your ability to have a fiery desire for the word of Hashem, then even the things you can't actually do, it's considered, it's considered as if you did it. This is a tremendous lesson and it pays to study it well because if we follow it to its conclusion, we can acquire merit. We can get zuchusim way beyond our actual abilities. Once you understand the secret of Lama Nigara, You'll realize the importance of filling your head with Torah ideals that you sincerely believe in and desire. And so you'll always be doing whatever you can. That's what the Chayvus Levava said. What you're able to do, go ahead and do it. But what you cannot do, let him learn to desire it. You have to be a Reutze. You must create attitudes of desiring the mitzvahs. And that Ratzim, those grand dreams in your head, I'd like to do it, I really want to do it, are very valuable. You want to do it only that you can't. And so you turn to Hashem and you call out to Him, Lama Nigara, I wish I could fulfill my dreams of serving you in every way possible. And when you understand the importance of yearning, of desiring to do these things, You can fill your days with thoughts of the greatest accomplishments. Accomplishments that in Hashem's eyes are ki'ilu asa'ah, as if they were actually done. Have a wonderful Shabbos.